Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. The story is told about a king who longed for a son. Years passed, and after much prayer, a boy was born, and the whole kingdom rejoiced. He was a perfect child, and everybody was very happy. But when he was six years old, the little boy fell off a horse and was injured to the point of being partially paralyzed. And of course, the king and the kingdom mourned. Then the king did a strange thing. He instructed the royal sculptor to make a statue of a man standing strong and straight. After it was completed, every day they wheeled the boy out to the courtyard where the statue had been put up, and the little boy looked at the statue of that man. The story says that gradually the boy's spine started to straighten, strength came back to his muscles and bones, and finally a day came when that boy stood up out of his seat in the shadow of that statue. And as the kingdom saw him, they observed that the boy bore the stature and likeness of that statue. He had become what he had been looking at every day. God has placed before us his only son. And he tells each of us to look at him, to become more like him. And the more you look at him, the more you read his word, The more you spend time with Him, the more you know Him, the more you'll grow to be like Him. And this is the one thing that Paul desired in his own life and is God's will for the church, the body of Christ. Philippians 3, 10 and 11 read, "...that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection." Of the dead. Now, Paul knew Christ as his personal Savior, but now he desired to know him increasingly in his daily walk. He wanted a fuller, richer, deeper experience of his knowledge of Christ. He wanted to know his nature, be conformed to his character, understand his works, think with his mind, and live in his strength. Knowing Christ does not just mean an intellectual exercise of knowing facts or information about Christ. It's about knowing Him personally in your relationship with Him by faith. Late one night, a mother and father were awakened by a loud noise from their son's bedroom. Rushing into their son's room, they found their son had fallen out of bed. Comforted by his parents, the little boy said, I guess I fell asleep too close to where I got in. And that's a commentary on the spirituality of many in the church. Many fall asleep too close to the place where they entered their personal relationship with the Lord, and they have not grown in their knowledge of the Savior. But knowing Christ is the believer's number one priority. This is the one thing that Paul was reaching for and pressing for with a full effort in his life in this context. Christ is the goal. And like Paul, we should say, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
The Lord told Israel in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. Mankind throughout history has boasted and gloried and strove for wisdom, might, and riches. God says something to truly glory in is understanding and knowing the Lord. Because in the Lord is where true wisdom, true might, and true riches are found. Paul says that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. Having trusted Christ as your Savior, you were baptized into Christ at that moment. You were identified with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Romans 6, 3-4 says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. By virtue of our union with Christ, we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in us. As we yield to God by faith, we can know the power of His resurrection. This power is not at our disposal to heal the sick or to perform miracles, but instead to serve the Lord faithfully and to strengthen our walk with Him, and to be more and more like Him. This resurrection power gives us the power to walk in newness of life, set apart from sin, the strength to not be held back by sin, giving us the life and power to move forward and press toward the goal of knowing Christ and being more like Him. Paul says that I may know Him and the fellowship of His sufferings. Paul wanted to know his Savior more through fellowship in Christ's sufferings. The sufferings of Christ, as far as our redemption is concerned, is complete. It is finished, as Christ said. Sin's sin's penalty has been paid in full at the cross. When Paul was confronted by the Lord on the Damascus Road after passionately persecuting the kingdom church, the Lord told him, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. The Lord identified Himself with His people. To persecute God's people was to persecute the Lord. And so it is today as well. There is an ongoing persecution and suffering of Christ to this very hour as His church suffers for His sake. This is the fellowship of His sufferings. Paul says he was willing to take part in this fellowship. Christ suffered in his life and in his death, and to know him more, Paul was willing to endure suffering for him. The Bible is very clear that the Christian life is not free from suffering, and we shouldn't expect this since we live in a world of suffering and since our Lord suffered. Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. This isn't a lack of faith that brings this suffering. It occurs because of faith in Christ. Believers are hated by the world and by Satan, the God of this world. 
And to live as a believer in the power of His resurrection is to be in the enemy's crosshairs. And an inevitable consequence of believing in and representing Christ in this world is the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. So knowing Him in the power of His resurrection leads to knowing Him in the fellowship of His sufferings. As Paul knew Christ more in the fellowship of His sufferings, he also desired to be made conformable unto His death. Paul desired to live like Christ died. And as he suffered for Him, he wanted to live out the mind of Christ. Again, in the context of this book, Paul wrote earlier in Philippians 2.5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to explain that mind. And so being made conformable to his death means to live by Christ's selfless love, in Christ's humility, in Christ's being a servant so that we are a servant, in Christ's obedience, even to the point of unto death, even the death of the cross. In all ways, Paul desired to know Christ, his resurrection power, his sufferings, and to be made conformable to his death. He wanted to think like him. He wanted to be like him. Paul says in verse 11, if by any means, he's not expressing doubt, but humility by this phrase, if by any means, it was his hope, it was his desire that he might reach this goal in his life. That I might attain means I might arrive at as at a goal. And the resurrection of the dead literally means the out-resurrection, the one out from among the dead in verse 11. And he's talking about something practical here. In the next verse, in verse 12, he speaks of not having attained or arrived at what he hoped to attain in verse 11. And so the out-resurrection, the one out from among the dead, is Paul's desire that it know him in the power of his resurrection, to live in that resurrection power. And knowing and serving the Lord, Paul desired if by any means he might attain and experience the fullness of Christ's life within his life, for Christ's life to fill and permeate him in all that he did. This is the goal to which Paul strove and the goal to which he had not yet attained. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, Go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Grace in Gray Areas is an 18-page booklet taken from Episode 71 of our program, Transformed by Grace. Written and taught by Pastor Kevin Sadler, President of the Berean Bible Society. Each of us are different in the body of Christ, but we are called to be one, to work and serve together. We cannot ignore the fact that we are all different. We have different viewpoints, different opinions, different paths, different preferences, different ways of solving problems. As we live by grace, we must receive and accept one another and the differences that are among us. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750. 
or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. This message is also available on DVD. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Philippians 3.12 reads, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul, at this point, had been saved for over 30 years. He had spoken to the Lord face to face in receiving the revelation of the mystery. Paul had evangelized, preached, planted churches, trained people, labored hard for the Lord, traveled far, served faithfully, faced bitter persecution and hardship for Christ. Paul was a spiritual giant, yet Paul says that he had not attained, he had not arrived at full spiritual maturity. And if Paul had a ways to go, we can be sure that we have a long way to go. But Paul was not comparing himself to others here. The goal was Christ. That's where the focus was. And looking at this goal, Paul says, I have a long way to go. Thus Paul says, not as though I had already attained. In other words, he had not arrived at Christ's likeness in all areas of his life. But he was not satisfied with his Christian life. He had not reached absolute maturity. That goal was still ahead of him. He still knew he had spiritual heights to climb. He had a passionate desire to know his Savior and to be like him. And his life was a passionate pursuit in this direction toward knowing Christ and being like him. Paul honestly states that he had not fully reached or arrived at the goal before him. He had not attained to all that he longed for in his own spiritual life. Paul denies that he had attained the objective of verses 10 and 11 in verse 12. At this point in his life, the apostle knew Christ, but not to the fullest extent possible. He had experienced his resurrection power, but not to the degree that he desired. He had been made conformable to his death, but he believed that he could die still more to sin and self and show more love and more humility. He did walk in newness of life, but there was room for improvement. Paul adds, either we're already perfect, And perfect here speaks of spiritual maturity. He says already twice here as he's insistent on showing that he was not already perfect and that he had not already arrived at complete maturity in Christ. And God's will is that like Paul, we strive in his resurrection power to know Christ and to be like Christ our whole lives through. And Paul shows us how dissatisfaction with our spiritual condition 
our present one, is essential to motivate us to pursue spiritual progress in our lives. Those who think that they've arrived or believe they have no need for improvement or greater maturity see no need to pursue it. So it's interesting that a mark of maturity in Christ is to realize that we are not fully mature in Christ and that we have not attained. Honestly and correctly evaluating ourselves, acknowledging our weaknesses and failures, knowing we need God's help at all times are all key to progress and growth in our Christian lives to be transformed by grace. Wilhelm was a mountaineer's guide in Switzerland. Whenever people wanted to climb the Swiss Alps, they asked Wilhelm to guide them because he was sure of foot and hand and eye and because he knew the safest paths to the top. William Wilhelm had spent his whole life guiding climbing parties to the tops of the mountains and then guiding them along the more difficult downward trail. Word came to Wilhelm one day that a party of climbers had begun the ascent without a guide and were lost in a blizzard, which had come up without warning. Without losing a moment, Wilhelm went out to search for them. That was the last time Wilhelm was seen. When the storm was over, they found him. On the slippery, treacherous mountain slope in the blinding blizzard, he had slipped and fallen into a cleft in the rocks. They buried him there on the mountainside that he loved so much. The people of the village at the foot of the mountain were so proud of Wilhelm that they wanted to put a tombstone over his head. There was a long discussion about what words they should carve into the stone. After much argument, they decided on these words. He died as he had lived, climbing. And that is what God desires. That's the one thing in our practical sanctification and living for the Lord, that we live and we die climbing with effort to greater heights of maturity in Christ. Paul says, but I follow after This means to aggressively press toward a goal like a runner, to press forward, to diligently pursue. This phrase is used by Paul in light of the believer's goal of conformity to Christ. It shows us us that a strong, aggressive effort needs to be put into our Christian lives. To move toward being like Christ, we must aggressively pursue it by faith. With determination, we must give ourselves to the learning and application of God's Word rightly divided. We need to energetically pursue our spiritual growth. Paul says he diligently pursues, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Apprehend in that verse means to seize, overtake, or lay hold of. Paul was running strenuously in his Christian life to catch the thing for which Christ had laid hold of him for. Christ laid hold of Paul on the Damascus Road when Paul trusted him as his Savior. And now Paul desired to lay hold of Christ's purpose for his life. He sought to live up in the power of the resurrection to try to live up to every expectation and desire that God had for him. As one commentator put it, Paul's goal in life was consistent with Christ's goal in saving him. In Romans 8.29 says, For whom God did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. 
God's goal, God's purpose, that which He has laid hold of each of us for, is to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And Paul pursued that goal with a full effort. We will not reach this goal on this side of heaven, but we pursue it in the power of the resurrection, and we pursue it until we go to glory and we're with Him. Philippians 3.13 reads, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. But this one thing I do, Paul says. Paul was determined, focused, and single-minded. He would not be distracted or diverted from God's purpose for his life, which was ahead. And thus he put out of his mind what was behind. Forgetting those things which are behind was an was ancient athletic terminology used of a runner who would not turn and would not look back, but would forget the other runners, focusing on the finish line before him and not the other runners behind him. In this phrase, Paul is referring to forgetting his pre-Christ life and the religious credentials of verses 5 and 6. And Paul also put out of his mind his past attainments and successes for Christ after being saved. And he put behind him his failures and defeats in his personal life and not being perfect on this side of glory. Paul's concentration on the goal was sharp, and he strove for greater spiritual maturity and to know his Savior. And he refused to let the past absorb his attention or impede his progress toward the goal. He did not dwell on past experiences and blessings as though he'd already arrived, but concentrated on what was before him and on the goal God had for him. F.B. Meyer writes, It is a mistake to be always turning back to recover the past. The rule for Christian living is not backward, but forward not for experiences that lie behind, but for doing the will of God which is always ahead and beckoning us to follow. Believers cannot live or continue to grow on past victories, and we should not be pulled down by guilt of past failures or sins, and we should not be held back by grudges or anger or bitterness against others from past wrongs. There's a goal ahead. And we need to press on to continue to grow to be like Christ. The church needs Paul's singular focus. We need his desire of this one thing that I do. So that we do not miss the opportunities to serve the, Christ, serve the Lord now and in the future. And so that we do not fail to look past the people who need Christ now and in the future. Paul left the past behind him and was always reaching forth to the things which are before, which are words picturing a runner straining every muscle to reach the finish line. Philippians 3.14 reads, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Gordon MacDonald writes, When I first ran track in prep school, my coach invited me to his home for dinner one night. 
After the meal, he pulled out a notebook displaying my name on the front cover. He immediately turned to the back page, which bore the heading June 1957, three and a half years away. Gordon, he said, these are the races I'm going to schedule you to run almost four years from now. Here are the times you will achieve. I looked at those times. Impossible. They were light years away from where I was at that moment as a runner. Then Coach began turning back the pages of that book page by page, showing the 42 months he had scheduled for workouts. These were the graduated, accelerated plans for my increasing skill on the track as the months and years would go by. He had a sense of direction and development when it came to my athletic growth. Coaches and leaders of all kinds understand the absolute necessity of strategic, long-range planning. Similarly, a wise and all-knowing God has a plan for our total lives to gradually down through the years, step by step, become more and more like Christ. God has a wise plan for your life and for mine, in which He desires that we could be conformed to His Son's image. And God wants us, in the race of the Christian life, to strain vigorously with sharp concentration, pressing toward this goal that He has for our lives. The words I follow after in verse 12, and I press in verse 14, are the exact same Greek word. And again, like a runner in a race, it means to aggressively press on, to strain in moving forward, to diligently pursue. I press toward the mark. Mark speaks of a mark on which to fix one's eyes. So Paul was aggressively straining toward a mark in his Christian life, and fixing his eyes on it. The mark is Christ. He is the goal. And the prize is Christ. The mark is being more like Christ. And the prize is to be more like Christ. The mark is that I may know Him. And the prize of the high calling of God for our lives is that I may know Him. Knowing Christ in a deeper, more meaningful and complete way, it's the greatest prize, the most wondrous reward, the supreme treasure, the blessed privilege, the high upward calling of God for our Christian lives, to know Him in the power of His resurrection. Do you know Him as your personal Savior? Christ died for you. He took your sins on Himself at the cross, and He paid the price for all of your sins. Just trusting that Christ died for you and rose again the third day, you are saved in that moment from all of your sins. You are saved from the lake of fire, and you have a home in heaven forever. Once we know Christ as our personal Savior, we enter into this race, into this lifelong pursuit, of knowing Christ more in our personal relationship with Him. And it is a blessed journey. One that ends with meeting the one who is the goal, the prize of our Christian lives, and spending eternity in His presence forever. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. 
The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.